Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm very excited for this, Coons. 53, 53 years ago. Peter Bedford won the Brownlow medal. He held off uh, Gary Dempsey by, I think it was four votes, and then Alex Jezelenko finished third. He polled in 11 of the 22 matches, and in the same year won his second of five South Melbourne Best and Fairest Awards. Not, not long after that, not long after he won the Brownlow, he was playing first-class cricket for Victoria <laughs> as a leg-spinning all-rounder. All up, he played 186 VFL games for South Melbourne and Carlton. He was named in the Swans team of the century, and he turned out... For 39 shield matches as well, he scored a ton. He made 10 50s and he took a five for as well. And even though, I hate to say this, he'll be 77 next April, I was lucky enough to share the cricket field with him on Monday. Peter Bedford, welcome to Sports Day. Oh, good on you, Tom. Good to catch up again, mate. <laughs> Very good to catch up and we really appreciate you coming on. And what it means is that two out of three have won Brownlow medals because I'm here with Adam Cooney, who's also <laughs> a Brownlow medalist. How are you, exactly, Peter? Exactly, uh... yeah. Yeah, I think Adam and I were the same age, I think, if memory serves me well. 23, uh, yeah. Tom? Yeah, Adam? Yeah, 2008, Adam. 2008. Yeah. Coons, are you going to be playing any cricket when you're 76, do you reckon? Oh, I hope so. Probably won't be moving or bowling as well as, <laughs> as Peter did, or batting for that matter. <laughs> what is it? A ton for Victoria and a fire yeah. for as well. It's pretty handy. You're one of the uh, original great uh, dual code stars, Pete. Yes, uh, Adam. I, uh, I was pretty pretty fortunate. Cricket was my passion as a kid. I, as a youngster, I, I played three games of cricket a weekend. Uh, grew up in Port Melbourne and still live in Port. Uh, yeah, played on the concrete Saturday morning, nine to twelve, then meander down to the Port Ground. A couple of cars to go to the away game. Play between one and six on the turf, and just across from where I where I live near the Graham Hotel in Port. Here, play my third match on the. On the matting on the Lagoon Oval on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> if I could have played, played an extra one, I would have. But uh, <laughs> ran out of time. <laughs> I love it, Peter. So, um, I mean, you are affectionately known as Wheels, so we'll call you Wheels from now on. And I'll ask you about who made up that nickname a little bit later on. But what we're doing, I explained it to you the other day, is where over the next week and a half, we're going to have a variety of guests on to talk about sport in various decades going back through the years. Back all the way, I think, back to the 1930s. And I hope you don't mind, we've got you on to talk about the 1950s and the 1960s, of course, you were born in 1947, so you remember most of the 1950s and you were making your way as, a, as an elite sports person in the 60s. So I'd like you to finish off these sentences for us, if you can. I'll start and we'll alternate. So uh, finish off this for us, Wheels. The most famous Australian sports person in the 1950s was? Uh, I, I think, you know, if memory serves me well, I, I think probably tennis was massive there. The Davis Cup and that, and Lou Hodes brings to mind, Tom. Uh you know, Wimbledon champion, and well, we had great tennis players in those days. You know, Hogue, Roseville, and Labor 
you know, the next decade and uh, Sedgman still playing. And, you know, the whole, whole of Australia would, would listen to radio, you know, because generally we used to play the US in the in the final of the Davis Cup and it was just massive. Uh, you'd, you'd walk around the streets and people have radios, you know, to their ears, you know, uh, listening to a broadcast of the, the tennis. And so I, I, I'd have to say... Lou Hoda. Yep. I'm not sure. I remember Jack Brabham, you know, with the motor racing on. He may have been a tad earlier, on, uh, but Jack Brabham, you know, the uh, world motor racing champion. He he was another another uh, great great Australian sportsman in, in that particular time. Uh, yeah, that's they're probably the ones. Uh, yep. The foot the footy. My memories. Uh, I didn't see much of of uh, Coleman, of course. Uh, we played in the. Uh, Probably around that era, I guess, and that you know. But a, a good good friend of mine who passed away, and a, he, Bill Jacobs, you know, he always said that Coleman was the best player he saw. You know, and Bill was a uh, uh, doing of commentators and that, you know. And obviously, uh, so Donald got him to manage a number of the uh, uh, well, the rest of the world team, and that. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably say ho through that period, and then we go into the sixties, Tom. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, why I not? guess. Yeah, well, like in the sixties, I, I don't think there was any more greater uh, sportsman than Herb Elliott. You know, uh, Herb Elliott, uh, coached by the great uh, Percy Serity, who uh, and Percy would take no prisoners in respect of his training down at Portsea. You know, on the sand dunes there, I think he he virtually uh, ran Herb into submission. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you know, to have gone through. Uh, you know his uh, his career in running over the metric mile, the fifteen hundred metres, and uh, never to be beaten in the in the metric mile. I think you know that that's testament to how good a, an athlete he was. And the Rome Olympics in nineteen sixty, he absolutely just decimated a uh, a field in that uh, in that fifteen hundred uh, to win the gold medal at Rome. You know, taking off just before the bell, probably the bell. He was fifteen or twenty metres in front, and he he probably ended up winning by about thirty. I think you know. Uh, Hard held, uh, Tom and Adam. <laughs> but, so uh, uh, you were born in '47, Pete. Yeah. Um, the yeah. the '50s, you would have been watching a bit of footy, falling in love with the game. What was great about football in the '50s? I I think it was the the, the attraction. I think well, in those days, of course, it was just a domestic competition. You know, where and the, the six matches would start. You know, I think ten past two, and I think for mates, it was an opportunity to catch up. Blokes would go to the pub and. Uh, before the game started, then wander into the ground and just stand in their usual positions at the home match. And you knew exactly where, you know, where the games were being played and uh, and even the away games are probably, I don't know, at a pub somewhere and then wander the, to, the, to the away match and uh, stand together and that. But I think the great attraction probably, I think, was, you know, obviously you go out with the best laid plans and, uh, but generally speaking, it was just a man-on-man contest and, uh, and the previews of the matches, you know, which last probably a day or so before and then a day after, you know, and now it's a continual uh, previewing and reviewing of matches, of course. And in those days, generally, the write-up would, would say, I'm paraphrasing this, but depending on who wins the centre-line, Jill, you know, because players would play directly on each other in those days, Tom, Adam, and, uh, of course, if you happen to, to win that centre-line, Jill, obviously you, you're going to provide more opportunities for your forwards and that, and generally speaking, that was it. And, and key position players, 
like centre half forward, centre half back, full back, full forward. They were probably the key the key aspects in that particular era. Uh, and I think the scoring was the thing which really attracted people. You know, uh, I think uh, the general supporter loved seeing goals kicked, and uh, and so that was uh, that was the other real attraction. I think through that through that era and that. Uh, Tom and Adams. Yeah. So, Wheels, what about cricket in that era? What was great about cricket in the 50s and 60s? Oh, well, you know, I, I think probably when I really became an adult, you know, I, I played those matches, as I said, as a uh, 12-year-old or so. And I think in, in 1960, when the West Indies came out, uh, the, the tour was viewed with a little bit of apprehension because... We had the wide Australia policy through the early 50s where it was just sort of all coming through that period and that, you know. And, and I think uh, Sir Frank Worrell, as he became man, obviously, yeah. and, and then uh, Frank Worrell, and, uh, the West Indian captain, and, and, and Richie Benno, they just made such a great series. Uh, and it, it just captured, you know, you know, captivated the uh, the sporting, you know, public of Australia. You know, I don't think you've even, if you weren't, an avid cricket supporter. I think it had to be, you know, uh, caught up in the in the uh, the atmosphere and the way the game was played. And you know, the first test in Brisbane was a tied test, and uh, and I remember uh, and myself being a leg spinner uh, batsman. Richie Benno, you know, was was you know an idol of mine, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> that might have been one of your other questions through the through the course of it. But yeah, so. And I, I remember him bowling to uh, to Garfield Sobers and uh, Richie, you know, bowled a half volley just outside off and he punched it straight straight past him, you know, for a boundary. And Richie turned around and applauded the shot, you know. And I, <laughs> what? I'm not I'm not sure whether that <laughs> that would happen these days, you know. But you wouldn't do that for the Crusaders, like... Peter. You wouldn't even applaud anyone for the Crusaders, let alone when you're playing for Australia. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly, Tom. But. Uh, yeah, so and I thought that, oh, the game was played in, you know, really sort of, uh, uh, they were determined to win, obviously, but but it, it just had that had that bit of spirit about it, where, it, uh, as I say, it was played in that in that sort of manner. And uh, I think after the last, and to see the fourth test, I think it was in Adelaide, uh, when uh, Lindsay Klein joined uh, Slashy Mackay, Ken Mackay, yeah. just prior to tea, and and. Spinner Klein, I think he'd been in the nets at the back of the Adelaide Oval, and I was told that he got knocked over about ten or twelve times, you know. And so he was our last man in, and uh, trying to uh, avoid the the outright. And uh, batted for I think ten so minutes before tea, and then after tea, uh, he survived the might of the of the West Indian attack, and uh, and uh, then uh, to see Ken Mackay who you know, he's just such a, a dour, dour, dour batsman that he he just fought like tooth and nail uh, to uh, protect his wicket and that. And uh, the last ball, the delivery, uh, he turned his body and took it on the chest. So there was no way known after after doing all that work to sort of get uh, get the the draw that uh, he was going to get out on that last ball of the over. And the, I think. Uh, the final match here in Melbourne at the Town Hall is a ticket to uh, farewell for them. And, uh, you know, there were thousands and thousands of people surrounding the, the Melbourne Town Hall, and uh, which really was, uh, you know, clearly demonstrated the fact of how, 
how well the the West Indian team was received and uh, and the way the the match the match was played the matches were played those Test matches. Uh, Tom and so, Adam, yeah. yeah. So back to footy then. We, we're swapping and changing because you're obviously yeah. uh, pretty adept at, at both games. What was your first memory of going to the footy? I think I think probably growing up in Port, I, I think probably going to a Port match, and I think it was probably Port and Willie because, you know, being just across the river, uh, <laughs> uh, they used to... Have great battles in the old days, and uh, unfortunately, uh, I think Willie have had the wood on us in respect of the number of premierships uh, over that over the period of time in the, in those early fifties and and forties, fifties, sixties, and that early on, I guess. But uh, yeah, and I even actually I remember uh, I I boundary umpired in the thirds the thirds match there. They were short of a boundary umpire, so I just did the boundary one day in, in the thirds and that, but. But it was always it was always interesting. And I remember my first my first game. I I played. Uh, I didn't start really playing footy. I kicked the footy in the streets with half a dozen or so mates. But I didn't really start playing footy till I I got to school to secondary school to parade. And uh, so I was short in the under fifteens, and uh, I got dragged out of school. You know, I was happy to go. <laughs> <laughs> we played a match. Played a match against some dudes. It was down at uh, just to the side of where the you know, the Collingwood training uh, ground is now there, which used to be the old Greyhound track, of course. Tom, you you probably wouldn't might recall that, but the Greyhounds used to race at Olympic Park and then, really? of course, uh, Collingwood took over that uh, that centre there. And just down towards the river, uh, the right the right hand side of that of the oval there where they train, there was an oval there. So we ended up playing a match there and uh, so that was my first actually introduction to playing in a team, and uh, so footy did did sort of improve a bit. And playing Sheffield Shield cricket, uh, uh, we were getting the princely sum of seven dollars a day in those days, uh, twenty eight bucks for four days. And comparative to, I guess the the population of, of the state, we used to draw quite quite really good really good crowds to the to the cricket. And uh, over the four days, we'd probably get about thirty odd thousand or something. Yeah, wow, know. to a Shield game, that's actually amazing, Peter. So. Yeah. The, the, one of the things I'm most interested to talk to you about, we're talking to Peter Bed for the 1970 Brownlow medalist and also a former uh, Victorian state cricketer. Um, how did you combine footy and cricket in those days? How difficult was that in the uh, in the 60s and 70s? Well, you know, I think when you're young, you sort of tend to take everything in your stride. And I, I was really lucky, uh, Tom, because uh, uh, Norm Smith uh, was my coach. from Alan Miller was my first coach in 68. Then I had Norm, you know, through... Through those the year when we were fortunate enough to make the finals in '70, and I had my little bit of good fortune. Uh, but Norm, Norm's son Peter played cricket with Melbourne, and and, and Norm was was uh, very sort of sympathetic to the fact that I that I you know enjoyed my cricket so much, and uh, there wasn't a lot of pressure on me. And uh, sometimes, uh, and Melbourne generally had pretty good sides because the the boys who tended to go to Melbourne were mainly from the private schools and pretty good players and that. And uh, so we're invariably in finals. So sometimes I would, I would go into the footy season just uh, playing one or two practice matches, you know. But Smitty really felt that the, the cricket season where I was, you know, obviously heavily involved and, you know, if you're making runs and bowling a fair bit, you you were sort of 
uh, it wasn't as if you're going to the pub, Tom Adam. You know, so you, you're still involved, and you were generating a bit of fitness anyhow from from cricket in those in those days. And uh, so that that was a, that was sort of the the way it was. But some nights I I would go to cricket training in the early seventies. I would go to cricket training at the Albert. Yep. And then I shoot, shoot Albert Ground on St Kilda Road opposite the Old Chevron where we we played. And then I'd sort of wander around Albert Road there to the south ground and trained for footy on the same night. So I, I, I trained for both of them on the same night, you know. So it's only 50-odd years ago, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Tom fair, fair while ago, Coons. No, not at all. Not at all. So the, you, you win the Brownlow in 1970, but can you take us back to the end of 1967? Is it true that the late, great Sir Donald Bradman, who was a, a selector for cricket in South Australia, tried to get you across to play in the SANFL for Port Adelaide Oof. and also cricket for South Australia? Oh, wow. Well, that's that's true, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, Bob McLean, who was secretary of Port Adelaide Footy Club, came over and watched uh, Port play Paran in a match late in 1967, a VFA match, and must have been suitably impressed because he invited my wife to be, Brenda and I, uh, over to Adelaide. And uh, ostensibly it was to play cricket, and uh, but I was going to play footy with uh, with Port Adelaide in the sample. And uh, so we went over, and uh, it was interesting because Peter Darby, we played, Port Adelaide played uh, South Adelaide, and Peter Darley, who was a great... Uh, South Australian footballer. Uh, he he was captain and coach of South Adelaide because Foz Williams, Mark's dad, uh, coached uh, coached Port Adelaide. And so I was in the rooms, you know, preparatory to the uh, the boys running out onto the ground, and Foz revved them up into a frenzy, and they ran down the, the race, sort of whacking each other, and then onto the ground. And you wouldn't believe it, like Port, you know, they were, they were always top of the pops, and South Adelaide were probably middle of the middle of the of the order, middle of the rung, ladder, and uh, South Adelaide beat us. And uh, we had a, a dinner dance. I was going to say cabaret. A lot of people wouldn't know a cabaret. <laughs> in, in, in the in the Alberton rooms that night, and I, I was seated opposite uh, Bruce Light, who was a terrific South Australian uh, and Port Adelaide winger. And I said, it was getting on towards court to nine or so ish. And uh, I said, Bruce, I said, when will Foz appear? Will Foz? He said, oh, no, Pete, you won't see Foz tonight. He said, he'll be home stewing over the result, but he, he'll, he'll be like a new penny on Tuesday, you know, so, which he was, you know. So, so I trained to Tuesday night, came back to Melbourne. And uh, of course, going up in Port in those days, Port on the cusp of the city it was like a big country town. Everybody knew everybody in that, you know. And uh, so, uh, I did make a fatal mistake as about an 11-year-old. I might tell that story if we got Tom, uh, Tom and Adam. Uh, it uh, came back and I got a letter from Bob to, to saying, saying you're going to accept the offer to come across. And uh, he said, uh, I had a job lined up with Phil Ridings, who was chairman of the Selectors of Australian Cricket, and Sir Donald was in the background inquiring as to whether I was coming. And... Uh, and unfortunately, we knocked it back and stayed in Melbourne, you know, because the lure of family and that just was too much. And so that got married the 6th of January in 68. As I alluded to earlier, we're playing Sheffield Shore Cricket, getting the Princess Summer 28 bucks for four days. It's not much, Friday, Peter. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Time. No. <laughs> I remember 
I remember in the room, so when you're batting, you talk about anything and everything. Paul Sheen came in, and we're just chatting generally. He said, no, he said, no, it wheels, you know. He said, the fellow, fellow working on the gate on a Sunday got more for the one day than we did for the four days playing. <laughs> and I, I was lucky enough to play, you know, in Sheffield Shield teams with four or five test players, you know, Laurie Stackpole, Sheen, Redpath, mm. you know, Connolly and all those blokes. So, so it was inevitable that something, someone... Uh, namely, Kerry Packer would come along and uh, and turn cricket on its head. And I reckon every international cricketer now, uh, Tom and Adam, I reckon they before they go to sleep at night, they should kneel down and say a prayer to Kerry Packer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, for what he's done. Yeah, Peter, we've got a, we've we've got about uh, we've got about forty five seconds. Uh, oh I'll, right. Yeah, I just want your uh, the best footballer that you've seen and the best cricketer that you've seen, please. Oh, geez. Uh, the best footballer, well, growing up in Port Melbourne and just he being my idol as a, as a youngster, Bobby Skilton. Yep. Bobby would come on a Sunday afternoon after playing the Saturday and just beside the Grahamie Gates station, which is a fully blown station there, he would he and a couple of his teammates would have a kick with, with uh, wee kids there. And that's, yep. you know, so, and that sort of name. And uh, Richie, Richie was Benno as well. Richie Benno. I love him. No, but I... I have to say, I reckon Sir Garfield, Sir Garfield Sobers is probably the best cricketer that I've, yeah. uh, that I've seen and played against, uh, Tom and Adam, yeah. Uh, yeah. Lot, lots of text messages coming through. One that I really like is I saw uh, Peter Bedford make 130 at the MCG one day. He hit them absolutely beautifully. So that doesn't surprise me at all, Peter, because you talk beautifully as well, and it's great to have you on the show tonight, and we'll speak to you again soon. And uh, I'll see you when we play for the Crusaders next time. Oh, good on you, Tom. All the best, Tom, Adam.